Hey everyone and welcome to the first ever episode of the VV Nation podcast. We are starting this because we want to feature interviews, training tips, inspirational stories and more from real people. Um, the aim of which is to ultimately inspire an active nation, which is what we're all about. My name is Chris and I'm the founder of VV Nation. And today I'm joined by James McKinvin, who will be a regular co-host on the VV Nation podcast. But we're going to start with um, a more sort of direct direct podcast relating to what James does a lot, which is cycling to work. So how are you doing, mate? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, excited to sort, sort of start motivating some people to getting out there, doing some exercise. And as you mentioned, cycling to work has really sort of changed my changed my life really i guess from getting the train every day get, there's something about commuting on public transport that is a really sort of negative thing to do it doesn't make you feel good at all and cycle commuting has just made me feel a lot better a lot more healthy a lot more fit and i wouldn't ever go back now interesting start so let's go back to the beginning um cycling to work something we we speak about at vv nation a lot Obviously, um, one of our key aims is to get more people cycling and, and your commute is a perfect time to do that. And not only does it get you on the bike and active, but it gets your fitness done in one go, sort of without even having to think about it. So from your point of view, th let's start from the very beginning and tell me a bit about what you were doing before. Obviously, um, I know that you work in a, an office job. Tell me how it's changed and like why you started cycling to work and what the important things are for you. Yeah, so I guess if we go back to when I was younger, I, I always liked going out on my bike, riding around, just um, I had a little BMX and we go to the skate park and um, I used to cycle into Whitstable. And I remember my very first cycling to Canterbury. I'm from back in Kent and there's a lovely trail that goes from Whitstable to Canterbury. It's called the the crabwinkle way have you heard of the crabwinkle way i have not no i'd, I'd highly recommend yeah. i'd highly recommend it it's as i say a trail that goes from whitstable to canterbury and it is on the road or off-road it's off-road but it's built it's like it's a trail okay you can do it on a road bike um but it, it's sort of gravelly but it's built on an old railway track so there was a crabwinkle way railway line which went from Whitstable to Canterbury. So the, the first ever time I, I rode to Canterbury, it's it about eight miles. I did it on a BMX and that was madness to everyone because there's quite a few big hills and <laughs> BMXs are, are four skate parks and, and not riding to Canterbury. So I did that and loved it. It was, it was a real journey when you're sort of 13, 14 and riding that far. We took our lunches with us. It was really good fun. And then we did a few more of them. I upgraded my bike to a mountain bike. We did uh, the trail a few more times. And then going into sixth form, I decided I didn't want to pay for my bus pass anymore. So I committed to cycling to school every day. So the same run from Whitstable to Canterbury. And so, so was that purely a, a money-saving objective or was it like the love of being outdoors? Yeah, so, like so for me it was... It was a bit of both, but mainly it was the money saving. There, there was a 500 quid um, bus pass I could get. I didn't really enjoy the bus. Uh, you had to get there and I'd miss it. And it was smelly and not exactly fun. I now absolutely despise buses. 
and that is one of the reasons I commute to work. Um, so I, it was partly saving money, but also I'd always always loved being out. Um, in order to cycle to work, I bought myself a lovely new road bike, and I used to go out on weekends and ride that around. Um, not massive rides, probably 20 miles-ish. Just, just riding around uh, every Saturday, I just go somewhere because it gives you that sense of freedom, especially when you're younger, when you can't drive. Having a bike is such a great way of having that freedom to go anywhere you want. So I cycled to school for a year. Every day, um, the eight mile run along the Crab and Winkle Way on my little road bike. And it was just, I, I really enjoyed it. Even through the rain, it was great because I was saving money, but I was I was younger and it seemed relatively easy. When I got a car, I started driving to school. Um, so it was a bit different then. So now, um, fast forward a few years, living in London, um, a few months ago, I was in Bromley. And in order to get into work, which is in central London, just outside Charing Cross, I had to get up at 630 make sure I leave by 7.30. Then I had to walk half an hour to the train station, get one train to Grove Park, then I had to get another train to Charing Cross and then walk a little bit along the Strand to work. And that was absolutely horrible. I was spending £200 a month, £200 a month on, on a train fare and I didn't enjoy it at all because it was that walk and then one train, then another train... And it just really wasn't fun. It's it's an interesting point because um, I'm I'm someone also who works in central London. Um, I have tried cycling to work and I've tried the tubes, and I absolutely love cycling to work, but I still don't do it as much as I as I want to. And I think that that whole so so from a London point of view, I think there's um, there's two perspectives that the whole cost saving thing is massive. So I found that I was regularly saving up to £200 a month just by cycling to work. Um, secondly, a time, a time saving, because tubes are often delayed. They're horrendous to get on in the morning. I, I live on the northern line, the, the south of the northern line, which is notoriously bad at peak times. And um, I actually found that I'd get to work quicker. So I, the one thing that kind of put me off, I guess, is that facilities weren't always good and I, I now work in a place where there are showers and so on but my previous workplace didn't actually have facilities for uh, bike storage for starters or changing facilities so tell me like what you think you need to be start to, to get started cycling to work yeah I, I want to go a little bit back on your point about um that there's so many reasons you want to cycle there's so many reasons you could uh, but it's still not, um, y people still, you for instance, you don't do it every day, but there needs to be a trigger moment in which you decide, right, I'm going to cycle to work. I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to commit to two days a week. I'm going to commit to three days a week. Or what I did is that I committed to cycling every day. And I remember it was actually us having a conversation when, when we moved offices and we did move into an office which had the facilities. It had a shower um so it was, and changing rooms and i said to you oh, i'm thinking about cycling like one or two days and you said no, no no do every day do every day cycling to work 
And it was sort of in March, so it was just starting to get a little bit warmer. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it every single day. Then the next day, I dusted my bike off and I set out on my first ride. And at this point, I was in Bromley. So it was a 12-mile each-way ride. And that's, that's a hell of a commute as well. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, I never expected you to cycle every day. And to anyone listening to this, like that might seem like quite an extreme lifestyle change. But I think what James is getting at here is that getting into a routine that you can sustain is what really helps you keep going. And from, from your point of view, James, I think um, if you had have broken the odd days early on in your routine, you might not have been able to carry on that. Uh, absolutely. And that is, I think, more of a general thing of building a habit Yeah, is you do need to just stick with it. So that first day I did the first two rides, 25 miles in total from someone who hasn't ridden a bike properly or very far in at least a couple of years. Um, and then the next day going and doing it again. I just say it's, it's a mindset thing because your, your body's able to do it. Um, and I, I think if you're worried about not being able to do it, cycle half the distance and get a train. Yeah, the, I mean, the obvious question there would be, what do I do with my bike when I get on a train? If it's either a packed overground or obviously you're not allowed to take your bike unless it's a fold up on the underground during peak yeah. times. But I, I think you're right. So I, I had a mate recently who bought, in fact, my old road bike off me. Never cycled before. He's always been fit, played a lot of football, did a lot of running. Um, so I, he, he didn't really want a road bike, to be honest. He was just kind of kind of interested in one um so i end up end up selling my old felt road bike um to him and i, I love it that i go into strava every now and again and see he is cycling to work every single day and i asked him i was like how are you getting on with your road bike and he was like i love it what's the best i was like what's the best thing about it cycling to work and i was like tell me about it like why why do you enjoy it so much and he was like i feel great when i get into work it's quicker and i'm saving money and that, that's a trigger moment. That, that's there a trigger is, moment yeah. I talk about. He got that road bike and then started cycling into work. For me, it was that challenge of you saying, James, I bet you can't do it every day. Or, and then me going, that flick in my brain, which goes, yes, I'm, I'm committing to this. Yeah. It could be buying new gear. You've got a bike in, in, in the shed, in the garage, and you say, oh, I'm going to buy, buy some new cycle shoes. I'm going to buy some new stuff. And that, that's your trigger moment. If you move offices, that could be a trigger moment. So I, I think that's quite important. But the, the first few weeks are going to be really, really tough when you first start. You're going to feel tired, uh, especially if it's sort of over eight to ten miles. You, you're going to feel tired. But if you push through that first sort of two weeks, you're going to feel great. And generally, when you're trying to build habits like this, you need to do it for a sustained amount of time and just push through. There'll be days you wake up and you go, oh, I just want to get the train. You just just go, no, I'm going to cycle. I'm just going to cycle. It's a lot easier to start in the summer as well. That's true, yeah. Uh, the the mental side of things is obviously a massive part of it. And I, I think you're right. The, the, the constant routine makes it so much easier. And I think from my point of view, one of the most difficult things that I'm currently going through is that I'm doing a lot of running at the moment, as as you know, for, for our listeners, I'm actually training for a marathon, which is in about two months. So I've really cut back on my cycling, but what it means is that every time I decide to cycle into work, 
which has become rarer and rarer as, as I'm like running home, for instance, it's almost like starting the process again. So I'm back in that mindset where I wake up, it's cold, it's dark, I'm not in a routine, and I'm like, can I be bothered to cycle to work? Yeah, you, you just got to get past that, um, and it will be tough, but just think, I'm, I'm going to cycle every day. And also what you need to think of is how horrible the train is when you get it. Mm. how really horrible it is i've had times where i'm getting on the train and i'm literally i'm packed to the edges and i'm like i don't want to be doing this or the train will be delayed for 20 minutes and i'll be late again and that is so frustrating like the i'm getting frustrated now just thinking about <laughs> those times i was waiting on the platform for the train or it was raining at the station or and i get to work feeling annoyed flustered and it's it's not it's not an easy stress free routine, is it? The the London Underground. No. I'm sure anyone listening in London will agree with this. But being out and about is always going to be sort of a, a better option for transport for your for your fitness and well being. However, um, next question to your guest is: Cycling London is traditionally known as not being mm. stress free. So you tell me about what it's like in on the London roads and, and compare it to your original option of what you were saying about yeah. Kent. Yeah, really good question. And starting in London is really tough. It is. This isn't going to be really inspiring people, but you've got to be aware of it. 100%, yeah. But at the same time, it's a question that at Vivi, we get it all the time. Like, it's not safe to cycle in London. It's too stressful. There's too much traffic. And I'm always like, yes, that is true. But if you cycle properly and you you know, you know don't run red lights, you, you don't cycle recklessly, um, you're aware of other users of the road, that, you know, you don't need to... Uh, like, I've never, ever had an incident in London cycling. I, I've had one incident and I've spoken to a few other people about incidents and they're never particularly bad. But as you say, there, there, there are a few things you need to consider cycling in London. I think number one is being aware of everything around you. Um, listen around for cars. Look over your shoulder when you're turning. If you're filtering through traffic, just make sure you're not putting out in front of a motorbike or you're giving yourself enough space. Do not cycle right at the left of the road because cars will try to overtake you. Yeah, that's, another that, that's an important one that's often understated. Obviously, don't cycle in the middle of the road, but you, you need to be confident enough to own your space so you're not oh, pushed yes. right against the curb. Because as you said, cars are then encouraged to try and squeeze past you. You know, hold your line and don't be afraid to stay in that line even when there's traffic behind you because you, you're a user on the road as much as a car is. You've got to be assertive. Yeah. I, I, I say this a lot. Um, if you're cycling in London and a car driver sees you and you're, you're sort of, you're not confident about it, they might take the extra risk, but I know when I'm cycling, I'm confident if there is a lorry behind me and I can see there's a lorry behind me, I'm going to be in the middle of the road because I do not want them overtaking me or taking any risks. Um, the other point you make about um, not running red lights, that is key. Follow the rules of the road. It's, it's unbelievable so how many don't. It, it, and like, it, it's unbelievable. And it, it gives cyclists a bad name. It does. And you don't make up any time for it like zero there's enough traffic lights in london literally i can see someone going through red light after red light after red light and you see it and i i, I stop at every red light and i'm catching them up at every single stage 
yeah. and just don't do it it's not worth it you you will probably gain one minute over a half hour journey is that really worth your time you're risking yourself traffic lights are there for a reason yeah they're there to control the flow of traffic risking yourself you go through you might be hit by a car you're risking other pedestrians yeah now, that's I a key one i feel so strongly about this because i've not pedestrians over it before by, okay. By, Go on. So I, I I went through a red light. Um, okay. I, I didn't follow it. I was a new cyclist. I was like, nah. So I went straight through a red light. I wasn't paying attention, and I knocked over two pedestrians who were just crossing the road. They were. Com- I was completely in the wrong. Yeah. Now I, I went headfirst into them. They they got knocked over. Uh, I fell off my bike. It wasn't a pleasant experience for either of us, and. If I had hit them harder or hit them with a part of my bike or any anything worse than what happened, because eventually they got up a few stretches, so did I, and we, we walked away from it. But uh, I could have killed that person. No, not, no joke, yeah, because no, I've enough, got a lot yeah. of velocity going forward on my bike. Yeah. And it, if I'd have killed that person just because I went through a red light, it is so key. And the other thing is other traffic will respect you more if you're careful with lights. It really winds every other road, road user up when you're going through red lights and you don't want to be annoying cars because cars are big bots of metal that can hurt you a lot and people tend to get annoyed in their cars. So just be, just be aware. Just be aware. Don't go through red lights. It's really bad. 100%, yeah. That's obviously um, hard-hitting evidence there of the risk. Um but I think, I think the rules of the rules of the road. Um, there's nothing more frustrating as well from from a, a fellow cyclist point of view than the kind of commuters who think they're in the middle of a sportif, like a traffic-free sportif, who um, run red lights. They're in a race, for instance, and they just cycle recklessly, and without sounding horrendous, because the whole the whole point of this podcast is obviously to inspire more people to get cycling to work um i do feel that like sometimes you can see how easy it is for cyclists to get into troublesome situations and there's nothing more annoying as as a fellow cyclist there's nothing more annoying than seeing that because it's the few minority as with most other bad things the minority spoil it for the majority because most people respect the rules of the road and they will never have any issues ever yeah, and uh, I've had a few occasions where, if you're confident enough, th- those guys that are going through the red lights, just stop them and say, "Look, don't be silly, D- don't go through red lights." Um, there was a particular case of a guy going through every red light, and I was like, "Mate, what what are you doing? Like, why are you going through the red lights? You're gonna do it for the next one?" He goes, "Yeah, probably." Like, that's not the right attitude. And I told him the story about running over pedestrians. I say it's not clever. It doesn't help anything. I'm catching you up on every single light, um, and he eventually came round. But if you do see someone going through light, red lights, just tell them. But aside from that, cycling in London is is easy once you get the hang of it and once you do it regularly. Um, compared to cycling in Whitstable, it is it's different, of course, because the roads aren't as busy. But it's the same sort of thing in terms of don't cycle too close to the left. Be generally assertive. Be respectful of other road users. And just think think you're in a car. Like, how, how would you act if you're in a car? And do that while you're on a bike. Indicate when you're turning left. When yeah. you're filtering, indicate. 
put your arm out. Yeah. Because you don't want someone trying to overtake you or undertake you when you're, you're turning. Yeah. And it's interesting. You, you've obviously got a very positive point of view, despite these obvious, well, very clearly hairy situations that you've been in. And I think it's fair to say that you've had maybe not a steep learning curve, but you've learned the hard way, right? Um, yeah. So let's. So we know that you're pro cycling to work. Tell me about um, your tips for getting started, the gear that you think you need to actually like enjoy, make it more enjoyable, and m- from a more practical point of view, maybe, um, and what the cycling network in, in London is, is about. Because I th- from when I moved to London about eight years ago now, I have to say, although the cycling infrastructure in London is still not where i want it to be it's a lot better than it used to oh, be. oh yeah think. so yeah. so l- let's start with um tell me about your route to work like cycle paths and so on and the gear that you think is essential to cycling yeah to so I, I cycle now i'm i'm going from hammersmith and it's just one road it's just one road there's no cycle paths but there's loads of other cyclists that do it yeah, and you, you feel like you're a little community. You do, yeah. You, you stop at lights, you chat to the cyclist. Oh, how you doing? Uh, I think that's a very underrated thing about cycling, um, particularly in London, big city, loads of cyclists. It's a huge community, and generally speaking, the cycling community is very uh, social and welcoming. Yeah, and you do feel like part of like a pack almost. Definitely. Um, the, the cycle I did before, I used to go through. Peckham and Camberwell and then round Oval. There's a nice little segregated cycle path through Oval. Uh, I know a lot of southwest London has the cycle superhighways, which are nice. Yep. Um, they're, they're not segregated, but that is where a lot of cyclists cycle. Um, and then if you just want to sort of get to grips with cycling in London, would definitely recommend the cycle superhighway along Embankment because you've got a completely yeah, segregated bit. Yeah. Go and get yourself a Boris bike and ride down there because it's really nice. It's a nice flat stretch, lovely along the river, completely segregated. And it's great to see how many cyclists are there. So many cyclists. It really is good. Um, in terms of gear to get started, first of all, you need a bike, um, obviously. But what bike you get depends on sort of the level you're at or your budget I, I, do you think it matters that much that much no I, well you know this i cycle on a 60 pound bike that i got off gumtree and you know that i cycle on a three grand bike yeah and it doesn't make a difference absolutely <laughs> not what whatever bike you have just get started I, I want the cheapest bike possible to cycle in london because um i know that i'm putting it through its paces every single day i'm putting it through where icy cold grime of london I, I i don't want to have to worry about maintaining it um so i use the cheapest bike i've got a little bit of oil on the chain every now and again um a little bit of maintenance in the bike shop every six to six to twelve months and it's great it really is good the best 60 pound i've ever spent so it doesn't really matter what bike you have but go and get a second hand one that you're not too worried about and the great thing now though is if you want to cycle in london or commute you've got options such as the boris bikes these line bikes that have just recently come out Uh, we'll talk specifically about the line bikes in another episode if you're okay with that yeah yeah, sure because i've recently tried them and if you don't know there's loads of these um 
electric bikes, um, similar to the Boris bikes, but there's not stations for them. They're sort of dotted all around. It is mad, isn't it? Um, I, I saw one earlier today, in fact. It was literally just left. It, it's a bizarre thing. Mm. You can't really miss it. You'll yeah. know it if you see it. <laughs> Bright green. And they're electric assisted. So there's a little app you can use. You pay £1.50 to £3 a ride. Um, and it's really, really great for beginners because you don't have to buy a bike. You can sort of test it out, ride from wherever to wherever. And the electric assistive really helps you when going up hills or if you're just starting out. Um, and the, the Boris bikes, are, I think one of my tips for getting started is going halfway. And if you don't have your own bike, you can get a train to a place where there is a Boris bike station and ride to another one near your work which is a great way to get started if you don't want to buy a bike straight away. Um, so, yeah, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it's almost like that dip the toe in the water sort of thing. You know, test the waters out, get yourself on a Boris bike and enjoy London. Too many people in London, oh, yeah. like colleagues of mine as well, spend their lives just working in an office building, going underground and then just wherever they live, either north, south, east or west. And they don't really see the best parts of London. So for me, my route is through Clapham Common. Then you're looking at, you know, Battersea Park. You cross the bridge. So you cycle along the Thames towards Embankment. You see Big Ben, you know, the Mall. Mm. It, it is, it's a lovely place, London. And although there's lots of traffic and it can be a little bit stressful, just being above ground, actually seeing some of the best things in oh, London I, is I, brilliant. I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it because it is so good. When I first started and uh, I've come through Vauxhall, um, cycling along the Thames, it's lovely. And then you can, as you say, you can see Big Ben, you can see um, you can see the London Eye. Uh, yeah, that, that little stretch towards oh, the South Bankway is, is beautiful, isn't it? So nice. Yeah. And as I said, the embankment, if you're cycling that way, now I cycle down Oxford Street and by, by Hyde Park. It really is lovely. And you've got time to take it in because you're cycling. Yep. And I always feel that's a really special moment. And just having that feeling, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Our, our other gear you probably could consider, just going back to that quickly, um, get yourself a helmet. Helmet don't. I think is absolutely essential. Pl I mean, it's a legal law of the road now. Please, um, please don't cycle without one. It's still remarkable, though, how many don't. I constantly see... I mean, it's not a huge number. We're looking at maybe 10%, but just why would you cycle in London without a helmet? It's not worth the risk. Yeah, so it doesn't I, make sense to when me. I, when I started, I cycled without a helmet. I know, and I told you off for it. it you <laughs> did, you did. And I, I felt unsafe. I literally felt... Un I felt vulnerable. Um, I've... Luckily, I've never had to use my helmet um, coming off at all. But just having it makes you feel more confident. And they're not expensive. 20 to £30, pounds you can pick one up for. Um, and, yeah, don't... It's a small price to pay as well. You just don't know what cars might do. Or even if it's not cars, like a pothole. And it applies to every city in the UK. Even if you don't work in a city... If you hit a pothole and you're going quite fast, you could come off. It's as simple as that. Yeah. It is not worth the risk to not wear a helmet. Um, additionally, I'll, I'll chuck a couple of uh, little gear tips in. A pannier rack, for me, yeah. uh, is essential. I actually wear a rucksack. So you, although I've said it, it's essential. <laughs> uh, I don't actually use a pannier rack. But 
um, having done a few cycle tours and carried a lot of clothing around in Europe in particular, and I see lots of people on the roads wearing um, v variations of, of pannier racks, which just sit on the back wheel of your bike. Um, I just think they you can carry everything that you need uh, from your laptop for work, for spare change of clothes, to a towel. You can get a lot more in a pannier rack than you can on a rucksack. Um, I opt for a rucksack purely because it's more... Uh, like lightweight and agile, but it's quicker. Yeah, basically. I, I, I'm a, I'm a rucksack rider. Um, I don't have to pack too much in. Yeah, got a lovely little rucksack, but I, I would recommend like investing in a nice one. I think um, just w whatever you choose, rucksack or pannier bag or, or whatever, your your bag is a good investment because mm. you want something big enough to not crease up all your clothes. Obviously, that's one of the key sort of not negatives but question marks about cycling to work. How do you get your clothes in without creasing it? So you've got to think about that sort of stuff. But those initial investments of decent helmet, any any bike, uh, your bag to transport your stuff in safely and securely, obviously waterproof as well if it's raining, a decent jacket, high-vis for safety, and obviously a set of lights for when it goes dark because that's a legal requirement Oh, yeah, well. winter-wise, get the warmest clothes you can. Yeah, So I've, I've, we're just coming out of the tail end of winter now, um, but... I did the whole of winter, freezing cold. I'm very lucky. I had a very warm coat, had base layers, I had leggings, uh, had thermal things to go over my shoes, the waterproof and thermal, which kept me nice and warm. But it, you really do need to... It doesn't have to be something specific. I just wore a normal coat. and. Yeah. Um, but what one thing I would say is all of this gear, you might not always have to focus on it don't don't let the gear hold you back from oh, doing it yeah that, because that, i think that is a common argument against cycling that i hear all the time not just cycling to work mm. but just cycling plural you can you can get on a bike in whatever you're wearing whatever you're wearing and i hear it all the time um do you want to go to say richmond park for a cycle Oh, I don't have lycra. I don't, you know, I don't have all the gear. It's like yeah. you don't, you don't need the gear. One of the reasons we're so pro cycling is that it's so accessible. There's, there's a culture in the UK, I think, compared if you compare it to places like Copenhagen and Amsterdam, which are the cycling capitals of the world, essentially, um, that you have to have, you know, a really expensive bike. You've got to look the part and wear the lycra. It, it's absolutely rubbish. If you go to Amsterdam, one of the most refreshing things you'll see. And having been recently, like it's, it is mind-blowing. Everyone cycles. I read somewhere something like 70% of transport is, is by bike yeah. in Amsterdam. And it's older people, younger people. They're wearing normal clothes. They're just cycling on a standard bike, like not a road bike, just a normal bike. Um, and it's policemen, dentists, you know, office workers. doesn't matter what pro profession you are, what age you are. That is their go-to mode of transport. And although their cycle infrastructure is much more suited to obviously commuting and getting around by bike than London, um, it's just like a, that cultural difference is is just what you're saying there. Like you don't need to worry about the gear. You can't you can't just rule yourself out of cycling because, for instance, you don't have a pa pair of decent cycling shorts. Please, yeah. Um, when I first started, um, almost a year ago now, I started with with nothing. I, I literally I had my bike, had a pair of shorts, and a t-shirt and a rucksack. Nothing cycling related. 
I still, I still don't wear cycling shoes. I just wear my trainers. Um, I, in fact, I barely have any cycling gear apart from my shorts and my leggings. Yeah, um, well, my mate that I sold my road bike to is exactly the same. It, it, in fact, my bike had clip-on pedals on. And so he uses those pedals, which were quite wide clip-ons, but he just uses normal shoes. Really? Yeah. But th- and I'm like, thing. surely you're using clip-ons. He's like, no. It's, it's re- <laughs> it is really accessible. Yeah. And o- over time, the more you enjoy it, the more you invest, uh, a bit of retail therapy, going out and buying a, buying a few more bits. We're definitely recommending getting a good pair of lights for nighttime. Yeah. You can get them a pair for 50 quid, um, which are good. Uh, I, re- I recently upgraded my lights and... They're great. Again, that just makes you feel a little bit safer. Yeah, that, I think your lights are one of those things. Again, it's just it's just a worthwhile investment if you're saving money on tube and trains anyway. You know, you you, you can you can justify that expenditure. Um, but yeah, I think we've spoken enough about cycling to work. Slightly off topic, I know, but I also wanted to pick your brains about a few things that you've done previously. So I know you've climbed Scaffold Pike and Snowden before, um, and you're quite an active guy anyway know a little bit about your previous background uh, about lifting weights and so on so just tell me a little bit more about your history with being active and getting fit and like what inspires you and is there anything you want to achieve in the future yeah so I've always always loved sports I'm very lucky I might be a little bit different to to other people out there but sports has always been really really cool for me I played tennis uh squash football really into football um don't let that stop you by the way because my my family aren't sporty but they're really embracing the 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 active lifestyle um so i I think so just just to stop you there question do you associate sport and and physical activity as the same thing because to me i'm not sure if i do like there's lots of people who don't like sport but do really like being outdoors yeah, for example they're, they're very different so very different yeah. football and tennis is a sport yeah i'm doing that to win whereas when i'm out cycling or to work and when i'm doing the the mountains i'm not there to win i'm just there because i'm enjoying it and enjoying yeah. being outdoors and snowden and scaffold pike that, that came about because it, it's a it's a challenge it's something to aim for and because I like being outdoors, I love the scenery of it. It was just something that I've wanted to do for a little while. You can say, oh, I've done Snowden, oh, I've done Scaffold Pike, Ben Nevis. The, they're, they're accessible peaks. And for a beginner, they're really, really easy to do. You can go there with very little training and do the walk up. And it's so, so rewarding. It's a fun journey out there. If you're from sort of the southeast, London, or even up, even up north, it's a nice little road trip out to Wales to do Snowdon. Snowdon, I'd say, is probably the easiest out of the three peaks, right? Um, depends what part yeah, you take. Yeah, d- it depends what route you go. I think Snowdon's certainly the most picturesque f- for me, anyway. You've got the lakes in the middle. Yeah. And there's plenty of route. There's like six or seven routes. Well, I think, I, I think that's what it is. It's the most touristy. Um, yeah. You've got the cafe it, at the yeah. top and exactly. there's loads of information on it and what routes you need to take. Yeah. So for anyone starting out and they, they want to do something active, doing Snowden's really, really good fun. So and I'm actually going back to Snowden in a few weeks. Yeah. So oh, I've done I'm Snowden jealous. twice. So I've done the three peaks challenge twice. Um, but Snowden, uh, you're right, is the most touristy. 
So I'm actually taking my fiance back in a couple of weeks. There's a, there's a group of us going for her first taste of sort of like the active hiking experience. I've never heard anyone go up Snowdon or Scaffold Pike and go, oh, that was awful. Regret it. I have. Why? <laughs> well, did Weather. Well, uh, yeah, you just sometimes the first time I did the three peaks challenge, we went for the 24 hour challenge. And I have to say it was torture. What what month was it you went? We went in August okay, and it was actually boiling bad. hot yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. But, so Ben Nevis was snowing at the top. Scaffold Pike, w- there was three weather, re- weather warnings on the mountain. It was like serious fog, couldn't see a thing, hammering it down with, with rain. And the wind was just brutal. Like you c- I couldn't even see the, the other people in my group. We're not meant to be putting people off. We're meant to that be, is true. We're but we're okay, so I'll skip, I'll skip to the end where we finished it. And it was actually one of the best experiences of my life, which is why I went back and did it again recently. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I remember we, we, when we first did Snowden, we wanted to sort of choose a middle of the range path. We didn't want it too difficult. We didn't want it to be too easy. And we didn't want it to be too touristy. Yeah. And I'm scared of heights. Um, and I, I thought it would be a, a fun challenge. And there was one part of it where it was a sheer drop on one side, a sheer drop on the other, and just a small path in the middle. And that was really, really scary at the time. But looking back on it, it's brilliant. It's exhilarating. Yeah, you really feel alive, don't you, on those, oh, yeah. those sort of places? Yeah. And that 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 is one of the things like we really, really want to promote it at VV. It's not playing football, you know, playing tennis and so on. Obviously, that is still great because you're getting fit and active. But it's really embracing that active lifestyle where you're not just sat in front of a TV on a sofa. You're getting out and doing things. You, you go into your Snowdens, your Scaffold Pikes, or even like more local to London, your Box Hills. Just just go out and enjoy the English countryside. Oh, absolutely. Um, in terms of what I want to do for the future, um, sport fitness wise, I would love to do one of the mountains around Europe. Um, what was it? The Matterhorn. Matterhorn in Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, what the one also of those on that sort of <laughs> sort of tight mountains. Um, uh, do a quick Google search of easy mountains in Europe, um, which are two to three thousand meters and are like accessible for tourists. And I think that would be really, really rewarding. I have to say, I think the Matterhorn may be a little bit higher than that. Is it? Let's have a quick Google. Because I thought the Matterhorn, because it's snow, it's snow. Snowden's snow peaks. Yeah, you look, you're looking at four and a half thousand meters. Oh my! We're talking about proper mountain. It, it was the first. <laughs> it was the first one I could think of. So, well, so the Alps in general. So this is on my list as well, but I'm not sure. I think mountaineering for me at the moment is way too serious. F- for me, if I was to do a European peak, I'm looking at. There's a thing called the Alps Trek, which basically takes you across three countries in the Alps for over like five days. And you just like, it looks just beautiful, like absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But something like the Matterhorn, I I think you're looking at more sort of serious. Yeah. Mountaineering. It was the only one I (laughs) can think of. You need snow gear for that. (laughs) But it's it's a good ambition. Yeah. If you can sort of work your way up for a few of the smaller mountains in the Alps, because the thing is with Snowden, Ben Nevis and Scaffold in the UK, is they're not hugely challenging for beginners. Beginners can do them w- without training, without individually. Yeah. Individually, the twenty the twenty four hour three piece challenge is tough. Oh yeah, but for different reasons. Yeah. Um, so I, I think just pushing yourself and going around Europe and trying a few different ones. Oh, I will tell you what I have done, which I haven't mentioned: Table Mountain 
in South Africa. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've yeah. done that as well. Did you know it is the exact same height as Snowden? I did not know They're that. both 1,085 metres. Interesting. It, it was interesting. And I, I loved, loved um, Table Mountain. That was, that was better than Snowden and and scaffold in my eyes it's it's a different climate isn't it so i remember getting to the top of table mountain and when you can see the entire city from like the football stadium mm. to the cricket stadium to the beach it, it really is one of those iconic moments where it takes your breath away and it makes yeah. it worth the the pain of getting up there we, we did it in our, our winter which is their summer in like 40 degrees i was gonna I was, say was how warm was badly. It? It, it was 35 degrees when we did it yeah. and we did it with no water bad mistake <laughs> what, what were we thinking doing a, a a three hour hike with no water no food in 35 degrees we got up in the end they're, they're, i've got videos um i'll put them on the vv channel all right yeah, yeah. so yeah i think anything else you want to want to talk about while we're on it no just if you're thinking about cycle commuting we're getting into a really good time now um well in a month or so in march get your bike out dust it off just just start just start find a friend find a friend to do it um with you uh, i know we've we've had a few times where we've met along the way um it, it's nice when you're cycling with someone think of the money you'll save the 200 pound a month i'm saving through not getting the train you feel so, so good. If you've got the facilities, like a shower at work, once you get to work and have a shower, you feel you feel alive, you feel great. It really wakes you up. When you get into work after getting the train, you, you're not really awake. You're just sort of dreary. Everyone else is dreary. But it wakes you up. It makes you feel good. It'll improve your fitness. It really will. Yep. Get get those Strava miles up um, if, you, if you use Strava. Um no more sweaty summer days on the train. I really didn't like that. Getting yeah. on the train, it was a bit smelly, a bit horrible. Um, sticking to your own schedule, of course. You've mentioned this a few times. The difference between being able to leave when I want and know that it will take me this long to get to work through cycling as opposed to waiting for a train, the train getting delayed. It, I, I can't emphasize how, how nice that is. Um, and you got to think of the general well-being improvements. My stress levels through doing physical activity every single day, they've reduced massively. I just feel good. I feel good. And I'm sure if you ask anyone else who has started a cycle commute to work, they'll say they feel better. And it really is true. But you've got to commit to it. You've got to build that habit. And you've got to spend some time actually, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend two weeks. I'm going to do four weeks. Right and so on yeah and i think that's a, a positive note to end on so thank you for joining today james and uh yeah uh, thanks for tuning in for the first ever episode of of the vv nation podcast stay tuned for james and i debating other topics but also a range of guests talking about um so hopefully we'll get a couple of the guys that did the three peaks challenge with um some people training for their first ever ironman training for a triathlon uh, running a marathon and so on so stay tuned for upcoming topics and thanks for listening thank you chris